Welcome back to the marketplace. This is our look at the free agency period and the player movements that is all coming up in the offseason. As we mentioned last time, we are right in the middle of the NBL 24 season, but very quickly, the conversation will shift direction. And to do that, Pete Hawley and Olga Nulich alongside me. Last episode, we looked at the big names and the big stories. Also, the college youngsters to keep an eye out for. The feedback's been really great on that. Now we're going to dive in team by team and I think we all agree that it's appropriate to start with the Sydney Kings because there could be a lot of things happening with this team. We spoke a little bit about it in, in the previous episode, didn't we, with uh, the likes of Jordan Hunter and Jonah Bolden. What happens there? Olgan saying, and, and understandably, that Sydney want to bring both of those guys back, but both you're looking at the way they're playing currently in, in the NBL 24 season, and they could both be starters who could play the 25, 30 minutes a night, and would they be okay to split that? Would they like to slide Jonah Bolden down to the four a little bit next year. Uh, who knows what's going on there, but there's a couple of big names and probably none bigger, I guess, for the Sydney Kings and Jalen Adams and what happens with him. He's had that taste where he wanted to go overseas after winning the MVP in a championship. Uh, does he still have that desire to, to go to a different place? Who knows? But if you're Sydney, that's kind of the one piece you think, hey, we need to lock... Perth locked away Bryce yep. Cotton for, for numerous years and you build the pieces around them. Who's your one player in every team and then build teams after that? You can't go past Jalen Adams. So obviously... We, uh, we are awaiting the outcome of this season, and so the Sydney Kings don't know if this is the right mix of guys. But everything that I'm hearing is that they do want to run it back with this crew. So that means they want to bring back Jalen Adams. They want to bring back Sean Bruce, Quat Noy, Jordy Hunter, Jonah Bolden. They like what they have from an import perspective, from a local perspective. Uh, DJ Hoag has a mutual option, so that's something that I guess they will address uh, when that time comes. But then there is Xavier Cooks just sort of hovering in the ether. Yeah, like ether. we spoke about last time. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. But you can think about all of those guys mixed together under the way Mahmoud Abdel-Fatah likes to play basketball. That could be really, really mm. enjoyable. We, we talk a lot about the switching defense they have. You can envision if Xavier Cooks has a desire to return to the NBL and the Sydney Kings quite rightly do what they do and, and find a place for him. A switching lineup with Xavier Cooks as your main guy could be really, really deadly. You touched on a point there. I think we all acknowledge that Jalen Adams and Jonah Bolden be priorities. But the Kings have really made an effort in the last two or three years to prioritise their bench yep. as well and bring that bench back together. We've got Jordan Hunter, who's been starting at the moment, but you could potentially include in that. Sean Bruce, Kawat Noy, in amongst this group of bench players who are all out of contract at the end of the season and would be desirable with other teams. Another one I'll say is Jalen Galloway. Mm. Yes. Who will more than likely get some interest at the end of this season from the NBA in, with a 10-day offer or two or something like that. And then if he does well in those potential minutes, there might be a two-way offer on the table for him next season. And so I fully expect the Sydney Kings to go quite hard at retaining all of this local talent. But if the NBA comes calling for Jalen Galloway, I don't think Jalen Galloway says no, and I don't think the Sydney Kings say, hey, we'd rather have you here than there. So that's another one to look out for. There's, there's potential for that to, for something to happen there. You look at the recent history of what makes a successful team, what wins championships, and, and again, it's it's the one, your superstars, and I say this a lot, your superstars will get you to the finals, they'll get you to a top four, a top two, or a championship series, but that bench, that core unit that's been there multiple years is going to win you a title. Yeah. Sydney Kings showed that the last two years. So on one hand, you're like, we need to bring that main piece, that Jalen Adams type, we want to make sure we we solidify that, but then we want to roll over the bench. And again, you look in the recent history, I mean, up until 
the last couple of years, but before that, the Perth Wildcats, you keep rolling over these core guys over and over and then building around that and good things happen. And Melbourne United's another one that they've continued to do that. And we're starting to see when we get into Brisbane, they're kind of going down that path of we're locking away this local group, this bench group to continue to go at it. We know what we're getting from them, but I'll be definitely looking at, obviously, it's a no-brainer with Jalen Adams. And once you can try and get that done, what pieces fall where after that? We touched on Aaron Bain's last episode on the marketplace. As we move to the Brisbane Bullets now, do you see a world where Aaron Baines is back there next year at all? What, is the, what does the Baines situation look like if we were to fast forward? So I, I, I wouldn't completely rule it out. Uh, obviously, if he were to return or if he were to sign anywhere, it would be for a fraction of what he's currently on, which makes him a more palatable NBL player. Obviously, the value will match from, from the contract to the production. Um, so I wouldn't completely rule it out. Um, it, it would surprise me if it did happen. I think Aaron Baines... He's, I think he's comfortable where he is. I, I, you can tell this season he's taken a, a sort of backseat to Tyrell Harrison. We'll see if he wants to continue doing that. Uh, but in my mind, just from the people I speak to and what I feel out there, it would surprise me if he ends up on any other team outside of Brisbane. So you think it's either Brisbane or retirement? Is that what you're saying? That's, that's my feel on it. Again, I don't want to push anyone into retirement, but that's my feel on sort of where he is right now. And that makes it really interesting, doesn't it? Because of the way that Brisbane's set up, because of Tyler Harrison's been really good. And if you're Brisbane, and again, whatever happens towards the end of this season, we know they've recently just made the move for Casey Prather, and you look at the rest of the roster uh, construction going forward. But is Harrison going to be your starter next year? And you look at Aaron Baines if he goes around again next year. Is he okay with being a backup big somewhere? Because I think he can have a big impact in that, but uh, around the league, for sure, I know he's getting a little older, but as a backup local big, they're hard to find. And again, his size, his ability to shoot the three, if his role was reduced, I think he could have a really good impact on an NBL team. But is that Brisbane with the likes of Harrison? And we got to, we can't forget, sorry, Rocco Zakarski's floating around on that two-year Next Stars deal as well. So does his minutes need to be increased, and how does that happen if he's hanging around the bench? So this is where the Bullets are in a really intriguing situation, because Tyrell Harrison is their best centre. He needs to play basketball. I think he's their starting center, and he, I think he should be for the future. Rocco Zakarski exists. He needs minutes. Mm. There will be pressures, obviously, from within to play Rocco, and, and I'm sure Rocco will develop to a point where he'll earn those minutes. There will also be pressures from the outside. There'll be a desire to get him drafted and all these sorts of things. So that is a consideration when it comes to filling those minutes at the five spot. Then that, the carryover effect is then how that affects the import search. Because you're leaning on these two guys as your main five spot. Are you going to recruit a third string import center? Are you going to, you know, ostensibly waste an import spot on a third string center? Or is Rocco your third string center? These are the questions that the prison boards have to ask when they go into free agency. Because I, I don't see a world where you get a third string guy as an import. And so that's why I would imagine that they go into this off season looking at maybe like a four five as their import spot, someone who can make an impact, someone who can give them real minutes, but can slide up in the case of foul trouble or injuries or just maybe Rocco's development may be stalling a little bit. And again, before we move on, I, I talk about Aaron Baines. I mentioned in the last episode with a guy like Jordan Hunter where other teams that are so power heavy with the guards or they, they're important, that's where all their talent is and their top three or four guys are either going to be point guards or guys on the wing and you think if New Zealand as we get to talk about them manage to bring back the guys like Parker Jackson, Carrard, Cheatham, Anthony Lamb and you think about where is that kind of centre position, that would be attractive to a guy like Jordan Hunter to slot in there and you've got a really good strong local centre uh, that could really help that team go forward but even like an Aaron Baines type to come in there and you've got a guy like a big body and it's a big move obviously to go from Brisbane to New Zealand but those are the kind of things that could pop up. So it's interesting to see at what point that domino will fall with everything else. 
Yeah, and and this team, I think they've already flagged that Josh Bannon is their starting four man. He should be going forward. Well, it, it feels like the whole thing's going to be built around yeah. Josh Bannon in the future, and that as it probably should be. They like him as one of their primary locals, and I think Taro Harrison is playing himself into also being a starter, and so that's where the development of Rocco Zakarski could really have the biggest impact on the decision-making of, of this team. The point guard spot fascinates me, I think, with the Brisbane Bullets. With respect to Shannon Scott, who's come in, he's had some injuries, but you just wonder if they can, if they bring Nathan Sobey back, they've got, they're stacked at the big man spot with Bannon, Harrison and Zakarski. You just wonder what a blue-chip point guard could do to this team. Well, it's going to be hard because Shannon Scott's got that two-year deal, right? So Shannon Scott's going to be there, and then Chris Smith, a two-year deal as well. And they bring in Casey Prather, who is going to be an option for next year, which, again... The reward potential for the risk, I think, is huge. If he comes in and he, no one's expecting him to play 30 minutes, he's coming off some, some big rehab, and if he gets anywhere near the shade of himself by the end of the year and you go again next year, I think that's going to change a whole lot of what they do with the roster construction. And again, Mitch Norton's been a great pickup for what uh, the culture, but that bench is locked away. So uh, they've good times, I would think, to be able to have these hard conversations for them. Yeah, there's, I don't think there's any risk with the Casey Prather mm-hmm. deal. He's, the money this season is... is a palatable amount of money. Next season's a mutual option, so it's not really a gamble. You can take it or leave it, basically, if you're the Brisbane Bullets. Uh, how that would then potentially handcuff them, because they do have Shannon Scott signed for next season. Chris Smith is signed for next season. And so, I guess, theoretically, you could get out of those contracts. You might have to pay a little bit, but you have a one, two, and a three, basically, mm. already signed. And so then how do you make up the rest of your roster? You, you're, you need to then bolster your front court in a way, and you can't do that with imports. One thing we know about Brisbane, they're in much better shape than what they were this time last <laughs> season, which is credit to their front office and to Justin Shuler. To the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, the biggest box they could tick was Milton Doyle. He signed on a two-year deal, so they don't have to go into free agency worrying about what he's doing. Jordan Crawford, has he exceeded expectations this season or already at time of recording? It's hard to, it's hard to say because I think Scott Roth, you go and recruit because they knew what they needed, right? And again, you look at the first two years, uh, they were in the NBL and unbelievable on the defensive end. One of the best teams which got them to a championship series, which got them to a top four. But what were they missing? What stopped them from actually being a champion in those first two years? It was an offensive punch, an extra offensive punch. Josh Adams tried his hardest in that first year. Sure, and it, was, yeah. it, was a lot to, it was a lot of fun to watch. Josh Majette was pivotal in building this culture, no doubt about it, in that leadership both on and off the floor. But they knew what they needed. They went and hunted that. Jordan Crawford's been leading the league and scoring overseas. Comes in and he's been unbelievable and slotting alongside Milton Dorr. And to be honest, took a little while to get going. They had their, their moments, and which you'd expect based on what Milton Doyle uh, was doing last year. But I think there'd be one scorer saying, hey, we can try and lock those two away. We're in a really good spot to put other pieces around. The Jack Jumpers did it with Milton Doyle, where as soon as they knew that he was the guy, those talks started right away. Mm-hmm. We went into the off-season. Uh, Milton Doyle went to go play in Turkey. They knew that that deal was going to get done. That they, they made him a priority. It would surprise me if they don't do the same thing with Crawford. He's averaging 19 points a game. He's one of the best scorers in the NBL. It would surprise me very much if they don't try to keep that, that import backcourt together. As we said already on the marketplace, these conversations are going on, and there's a really good example of it with Milton Doyle. Will Magnay's the other one. We touched on him last time around. Body touching wood stays together in the form that he's shown since return. Is there enough there to say this is our, our man in the middle and we're going to build a roster around Will Magnay being that starting centre, or... Do you hedge your bets a little bit like they've done with Marcus Lee this year? It's really intriguing for Tasmania, isn't it? Because, again, they'd want to be in front of everybody else, right? Because, okay, if he continues at this trajectory since coming back 
and he ends the season playing at this elite level, but he's playing more minutes. He's only playing around sub-20 minutes a game based on conditioning and trying to build up a little bit. If he's playing that 25 to 28 minutes by the and playing at this incredible level, his price tag not only goes up, but so do the other team. Mm. So if Tassie, I'm sure they're having the conversation now, but if you will, Magne, thinking, geez, this could be, there could be bidding wars coming into it. Do I go from already being a, a good deal that could come from Tasmania, or do I put myself in an unbelievable marquee-type deal with that kind of battle from a lot of teams? Because as I keep saying, local elite bigs in that kind of caliber are hard to find, and that's exactly what he is if he stays injury-free. How much stock do you put into the injury? If you're a GM and you're negotiating with Will Magne, we've seen this with bigs in the past where that injury history matters. Mm-hmm. It does mean something. It is, it is a red flag against you. Uh, no matter how good Will Magne's output is right now, are you throwing him? He's currently, when he signed that deal with Tasmania, he was coming off the, the, the Brisbane Bullet season, the time with the Pelicans. Mm. Are you putting a marquee number in front of him? Well, again, that's the thing they've got to think about, right? Because that might be one of the more enticing things for him to kind of get that done verbally now, right? Or try and get that done before other teams come into, into play because the way he's playing, and I'm sure his representation is saying the same thing of like, hey, the way he's going, and you the see this, hot. the iron's hot. Yeah. So like, and again, so it's a very, very interesting thing for Tasmania. Like, hey, we want to keep this guy, no doubt. But in the back of their mind as well is, we haven't seen him on the floor a whole lot. So that's worrying them. But do they have to bump up that contract a little bit more to get that done before other teams come in? Because as we keep saying, local bigs are hot property. So let's play this out then if he does continue the way that he's going at the moment and he's injury free, they get to the end of the season. Are you putting a big number in front of him based off what he's done in the two-thirds of this season? Yeah, I think you have to. I, I really do, if you're Tasmania especially, because you get Crawford done, you've got Doyle coming back, Jack McVay, you've got these local contingent that are really playing well, and Magne's locked in as you started. But as, as Olgan rightly put, you put that kind of price tag on him and say whatever happens in the recent history continues to happen again in the future. Your backup big looks different, doesn't it? Your backup big then has to play a whole lot of minutes that you didn't expect and uh, for a longer period of time, and you can't go out there and we talk about Marcus Lee. What happens with Marcus Lee? Is he going to be the kind of guy that would be okay with being a backup next year? I'm not so sure. So it's a very intriguing one. Yeah, one thing I'll say is that the so Fabian Krislovich is currently like their third string big. Um, he had offers from other teams this past off season, and the Jack Jumpers didn't want to let him go. They raised their price. They gave him another year in order to keep him. And so they clearly like him. And so are you, I guess Marcus Lee was the insurance for Magne. Are you then just trusting Magne, Fabian Krislovich? You then have an import spot up your sleeve. And maybe the sort of the wing athleticism that they're lacking, are you bringing someone else in? Do, do they go for maybe that, that four-man that they got over, during their first two seasons in the league? Do you go get a wing player? The, these, these are interesting conversations that this and, team's going to have. And they're probably having a little look at what happened in New Zealand, right? When Cheetah went down and they wanted yeah. to go and find an import big to come in. And I mean, obviously, Anthony Lamb with the Justinian Jessup injury. But at certain points, if it happens midway through the season, they're hard to find. And so, again, if that's going to have to be Krizlovic step in and, and be your starter or whatever for a significant period of time, how does your team look after that? What pieces could you find? So it, it actually might be the most intriguing thing to watch in the free agency. If you, and if you ask around the league, one thing that the Tasmania Jack Jumpers have that a lot of other teams don't is they have stability. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just in the, their playing group, not just in their imprint on the community, which is, which is really, really impressive, but in their coaching staff too. Well, you have Scott Roth, who I'm told is closing in on an extension to stay there. No brainer for multiple seasons. Total no brainer. Yeah, right. Next he was already after that will be Premier of Tasmania, yeah. won't it? He was already on contract. There are, there are extensions going on right now. I'm told those talks are positive, and so you have this this really good foundation that guys are coming into. You have Milton Doyle, 
who's been there for a few seasons now. You have a local core that has now been there for a few seasons too, and Sean McDonald and Fabian Krislovich. This is a team that a lot of teams want to come in and play for. And a lot of players want to come in and play it's for. It's so enticing, right? Yeah. So enticing. And again, you mentioned the Skyroth extension. I just cannot ever envision right now a different head coach yeah. with the Jack Jumbers because he seems to be, when you think of Tasmania, you think of Skyroth. So to Melbourne United, as we take a look at their situation heading into the free agency period, on the surface, Olgan, it doesn't look like there's a lot that will happen with Melbourne United. But if you look a little bit deeper, which is why we're here, there could be some pretty substantial things that happen to this roster. Yeah, there are, there are a few dominoes that need to fall. So that Joe Luala Jr. player option is one of the first ones. Now, I'm told that he's, he's not even looking at that at this point. He's focused on this season. Come the end of this season, he'll see what NBA opportunities could be in front of him. Uh, but that picking up that player option is sort of far down the line of his thinking right now. And then there's the Ariel Hockporty situation too, where he comes to the end of his three-year Nextars deal. What do you do with those spots? So you're losing two really high-level defensive centers that you need to replace. I don't think they're going to go out and get a, a Jock Landale or anything like, like that. And so that's a, that's a really big hole for them to fill. It's huge. And again, I mean, the Hook Porty one is the way they've managed to, to coexist has been unbelievable. It's why they're the best team in the competition. But yeah, you kind of think, okay, if that NBA gets put on the back burner or doesn't eventuate but JLA, which a lot of people think that it should, and you can't really see him playing anywhere else because mm-hmm. Melbourne United, one, just wouldn't want to lose him. And obviously he's comfortable here with his family uh, in Melbourne. And uh, it is an intriguing thing to have. Again, we talk about bench units being locked away. They've, they've done that significantly well. I mean, Tanner Krebs, multi-year deal. Kyle Bowen comes in. Um, but there are the couple of other pieces where you expect a guy like next year. Well, Flynn Cameron would want some more minutes yep. next year, and deservedly so. And where does he fit? Because there's one big name coming off the bench who every team would want. And he's made it very clear that he's happy to be around. He's his third year now in the NBL, and that's Ian Clark. And what happens with Ian Clark? And he loves being in Melbourne, loves being uh, in the league in Australia. But where does that fit with the increase, no doubt increasing minutes for those other younger guys? Yeah, I don't, I don't see any minutes opening up at least in the, on the wings, mm-hmm. or in the guards and wings spots. Shea Illy will be there. Matthew Delavadova will exactly. be there. Chris Golding will be there. And so those minutes that we're hoping that Flynn Cameron gets, because I think most of us do think he deserves more minutes, I don't, I don't, know, where, I don't know where they are. And so for me, it's, it's all eyes on the front court, uh, from JLA to Hook Porty to even a Luke Travis. Mm. I wanted to ask you about Luke Travis, and, and if at some point soon his number's going to be called by Cleveland. Yeah, so... Mike Gansey, the, the GM of the Cavs, was just here. He likes what he sees. Uh, from the people that I've spoken to around this league, around that league, it would surprise me if, come the start of next season, there isn't some sort of offer there for Luke Travers. Uh, at the very least, a two-way offer. And if that's on the table, then it would surprise me if he doesn't take that. And so while Luke Travers did sign a multi-year deal to be at Melbourne United, uh, the, the expectation I have is that the Cavs will be on the front foot in starting the process of getting him over. And hindsight's a wonderful thing. We were together in Vegas and watching him ball out on a team that was so heavily ball dominant. They had Amani Bates and Porter Jr. And the way that he managed to stand out and impact that, and we all were thinking, and all the fans back here were like, well, he's going to have a two-way spot after this. But they'd already filled that prior to Summer League. And you're thinking if you're the Cavs, it's like, okay, we've got the rights to this guy for another year. We drafted him last year. And any other team, I think, would have had a crack at him as a, two, as a two-way deal, but unfortunately, he was locked in, for, unfortunately for him. But for the Cavs, they'd be thinking, he can make an impact now on that. And again, those glue guys are hard to find. And um, the fact that the GM was here, it only means a good thing. And he played well. He yep. played well in that. He is having one of his more, if not his most consistent season in the NBL. So that's going to come really attractive and obviously thriving as he thought he would under Dean Vickerman. Adelaide 36ers. Let, let's just call it for what it is. Is this a total rebuild? Yeah. 
It's yeah, it's bad. <laughs> um, but it can be good, right? Well, the there is go on say it, the war chest. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's you you have like this foundation which currently has n- basically nothing in it, mm-hmm. and so you can build from the ground up. It is it is a really nice thing to be able to build from the ground up. You'd rather go into that situation than go into a situation where you have pieces that are there and maybe sort of stewing there. You want to build from the ground up, and so that's what whomever gets to take over that late 36ers gets to do that. And so they, they go in. There is a desire to sign DJ Vasilevich to a multi-year deal. Vasilevich doesn't currently have an agent. And so I don't expect those talks to go anywhere, at, the, at least this season. Come the off-season, when he presumably gets an agent, then those talks can actually start properly. But he's, but he's also open to anything. Um, and then you get out of that Mitch McCarran contract. Sunday Detch is contracted, mm. but it, it would su- I would be surprised if there isn't some sort of agreement that happens there just because it seems like both parties are sort of off each other right now. And we saw that again with Mitch Norton and Todd Blanchard, yeah, right? You've, you've, you've got a really big contract there and you're not playing, you're not, you're not fitting the style that they're trying to go with going forward and uh, we don't want you unhappy sitting on the bench and, and one, obviously the, the, the money side of things, but two, you want to play somewhere so let's come to an agreement and um, it's not like that he, the phone wouldn't pick up, right, for Sunday Dish. Many teams would be wanting a, a player of his caliber because defense is so important, especially um, in the NBL, but the DJ Vasilievich is, is the one to watch, right? Because you talk about starting fresh, but to have that one draw card to build around, and we mentioned it for, for other players in Adelaide, and they'll have a lot more money now to, to go after uh, those high-level players. But okay, we've got an elite shooter. One When we talk about elite shooters in Australia, Chris Golding, DJ Vasilievich is, is, is right up there in, in those names. So to have him locked away, what other pieces can we put around him to be successful? You, you say starting fresh, but you need a starting point. And I just don't think that starting point can be a new name that no one's heard of. Isaac Humphreys is the other one. Isaac, at his best this season, has looked like one of the best big men in the country, if not the best local big in the league. There are some other nights that he's been quiet. I think that's symptomatic of the environment this year in Adelaide. What does it look like for Isaac going forward, firstly? And then, Pete, I'll follow up by saying whether you would bring Isaac back next season. I mean, you spoke about it in the previous episode of those local bigs that everyone wants Mm -hmm. because these guys are not just elite at what they do, but they are starter level. You can start these guys and have a successful team. And so Isaac Humphries is part of that conversation. He's part of that that Will Magnay, Geordie Hunter, Jonah Bolden conversation. With the way he's been playing, it feels like a no-brainer to want to bring him back. Um, Whether the environment has reached a point where it's too toxic for any of these guys to want to return is a different question. That's why the coaching hire and mm. the potential probable hopeful uh, GM of basketball hire is so important because you need to create a new foundation in that team. Some, someone or something that guys want to flock to because right now, guys don't want to flock to Adelaide. I, I mentioned the starting point, but that starting point is the coach too, isn't it? Because again, that can come really enticing. We talk about Tasmania being a destination a lot of people want to go to because they see what's happened. They see what, what's been built, but they also see what people have gone to um, from heading down there and, and Adelaide to do that. So maybe it is the coach and then it's the, okay, we've got Vasilievich, we've got Isaac Humphries. This is a great two pieces. What are the pieces we put around to help these guys be at their best? But again, I think, one, yeah, I would bring him you bring back. You bring him back? Yeah. I'd bring him back for sure because they're hard to come by. And again, 
you go into this thinking, would we be a chance to get Will Magnate? But can we take that risk with the injury with Will Magnate? Are we a chance to go and get Geordie Hunter or Jonah Bolden from Sydney? What other bigs are out there? There's not a heap of elite local bigs. Can we get JLA? Somebody's got a player option. Can we into, it's, it's just not going to happen, right? So uh, I think you'd be definitely looking at bringing him back. And again, you'd have those couple of starting point pieces and, and go from there. So two things. The, Will Magnate is sort of on the same path as Isaac Humphries, but a year behind, yeah. where I think a lot of teams wanted to see that Isaac Humphries can prove that he can stay healthy for a season. And he showed that in Melbourne, and he's shown that this season so far. And so he's ticked those boxes. The talent was undeniable. People yep. know what he brings to the mm. table from a production and efficiency standpoint. They just needed to see that. It may be the same with Will Magnate. Maybe he gets low ball offers this offseason. Prove it for a year that you can stay healthy, that you can give us consistent minutes over the course of a 28-plus game season, and then we'll offer you that bag. And so that's an interesting one to look at, just the different trajectories of those guys. The one thing that Adelaide doesn't have currently, which is someone in that front office or coaching staff with... Uh, healthy, wide-ranging relationships around the league. That is, and that is so important when you're recruiting, when you're just developing relationships with your current players. That is extremely important. So someone like Trevor Gleeson does bring that. That should be almost priority number one for whomever they bring in. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix have got Mitch Creek locked away for next season. They also have Alan Williams locked away. So they, they're two unbelievable pieces to have at your disposal. Let's hone in a little bit on Gary Brown and in particular the point guard position. If we go back to last offseason, they took a while to land on Gary Brown. They did explore some other options and they didn't land. Do you think that they would be bringing him back almost immediately or will they explore that position once more? So this past offseason, they were in talks with some really high-level guys. Unfortunately, a lot of those didn't end up panning out because Europe came in. There were significant offers elsewhere that came in. There were, there, were, there were conversations with some guys that were really far down the line and then they, a European team came in and swooped and, and, and snatched them away. Um, and so it, it would surprise me if the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix didn't do that again. They absolutely would do that again and I think they should do that again. And you look at what they need, right? And again, since they've come into the NBL, what's held them back? I mean, one, the main one has been defense, right? It, it just hasn't been there consistently enough. They continue to leak points at a high level. We're seeing it right now, albeit through a lot of injuries and players, that they, things they can't control. But defense is the one that, how do they go and bolster that? And, and with shooting again, around the guys like Alan Williams and Mitch Creek, who aren't the outside threats that some other stretch fives and stretch fours are in the league. So there's conversations to be had about what they need. You talk about the point guard spots. So if they went and got, we'll see what Abdul Nader does for the rest of yep. the year. We've seen little glimpses, but if he can end up being a piece, they think, okay, this could be really good to slot in here at the wing alongside. Again, they've got a starting point. They've got Mitch Creek, they've got Alan Williams, but if they can get those wing shooters or like those 3 and D type players, but in terms of a point guard, you look at, the, they had John Robeson, Kiefer Sykes, Xavier Mumford, and now Gary Brown. They're ball dominant guards. Yep. They haven't made the jump. to the, And I look around, you need to have a Jalen Adams-type ball dominant guard to get the job done, or you need to have a Shea Ely-type to get the job done. They've been right in the middle of both. So I'm looking, at if you can get those two, three spots underway, a name that I'd be floating out there is Mitch McCarron. If you can get yep. that, you get defense, and you get a guy who's going to find the ball to Mitch McC uh, for Mitch Creek. He's going to find the ball to Alan Williams. He's going to find the shooters, and he's going to lock up defensively because his numbers have been down, no doubt, in Adelaide, but we know what he can deliver. He does it in the Australian window a little bit because, obviously, mentally, it's been a tough toll on him, no doubt, um, but that is a piece. Have you get the shooters or other pieces? I know you've got another name that I want to talk about, Olgan, uh, but that's exactly the kind of player that I could envision them building around. You've got Creek. You've got Williams. A Mitch McCarron type point guard I think would be terrific for them. So let's let's draw this out. Uh, you know you have Creek and Alan Williams. Mm -hmm. 
they are your two primary guys. We know they are two post-up heavy guys as well. So you, you need to complement them. I agree with Mitch McCarron. If he reverts to, I guess, Boomer's yeah. Mitch McCarron, uh, or, or, or Melbourne Mitch McCarron. I was thinking Melbourne. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, if that kind of guy comes in, that is someone who can get the ball in the right spots, the way he's shooting it this season, I think he's underrated. Not enough people are talking about it. He was really bad last season. Yeah, he he's been quite solid this season. So if he can shoot it like that too, shooting is an issue for them. Shooting in depth. Um, but if you have Mitch McCarron, and then he's not going to be too expensive. Mm-hmm. That's right? another thing. I no, should it should be a more appropriate Correct. price this time. Based, yeah. based on Correct. the seasons he's coming off. Yeah. Uh, and then if you have import, import, Creek Williams. You can go get two high-level imports at mm-hmm. the two and three with Mitch McCarron as your connector, Mitch Creek, Allen Williams, as long as they prioritize some level of shooting and basically just any pieces that can complement the primary guys they have, which are Creek and Williams, then they could be in a really cool spot. I think it, it, it would make a lot of sense for them to go and chase Mitch McCarron. And, and again, yeah. I, I should have prefaced that from the jump, is that his price tag is going to be well below what, what it's been in Adelaide. And understandably, I'm sure he understands that too, but the chance to be around something and to be, again, you've got those two pieces again. But it's, those two import pieces become huge, right? Because, again, you've got everything else. Uh, if that's the kind of player they want, another one you threw out there was potentially like a DJ Vasilievich for some shooting back home in Victoria, but that could be a little bidding war. So you look at this roster and, and the way you highlighted it was perfect, Olgan. You also add the depth players of Matt Kenyon, Ben Eyre, Owen Foxwell, who are all under contract for next season as well. Reese Vague is another. The one that I just wonder whether stands out a little bit more is the backup big spot. Now, Gorjok Gak was the big, one of their big signings in the offseason from Brisbane, has been injured, but has also been pretty disappointing by his standards from what we saw. He's out of contract. Is that a position that they look to explore and try and give Alan Williams a bit of support in? If it's not Gak. If I'm Tommy Greer, I'm calling my good friend Liam Santa Maria. I'm saying, can you please go and get me Alex Condon? Mm-hmm. Make Alex Condon mm-hmm. a next star. Yep. Bring him to me. Yep. That's, that's the first thing I'm doing this offseason if I'm Tommy Greer. Makes sense. Love it. Doesn't it? Uh, again, for no doubt about it. And I know that conversation we talk about shooting. They picked up the phone a couple of times for Ryan Brockoff this season. I uh, haven't got that, but uh, it's, a, it's a good framework to work for. for uh, again, they know what they have to fix. They've figured it out every year. It's like, okay, defense is one, but also shooting. But the fact they've got Williams already locked in, they've got Creek locked in, you got your starting point. To the New Zealand Breakers, who have had a challenging season at times, but we know that their best is very, very good. If you look at the roster as it stands at the moment, there, there are a few holes. There could be potentially a lot of holes. Um, we spoke about him last episode. WMW. It kind of all hinges on Will McDowell-White in many respects, doesn't it? And what he decides to do. It does. And again, we looked at it last year, and Motty Mayo has come out openly and said that he didn't want to lose any of the imports they had last year. I mean, they were phenomenal. Probably the best import trio in the league. One of them, for sure, up there with the Sydney Kings. And the way they went about their business, and, and to not get any of them back, and there's no doubt the conversation we'll be having right now is we, Parker Jackson Cairo has been unbelievable. Anthony Clam has been unbelievable. We saw glimpses of Zylan Cheatham. Well, hopefully we see it towards the rest of the, the season. And if you can lock those guys away, but then it says, where does Will McDowell White fit? in that and uh, he sort of have a conversation and think about that as well because he is a 30 plus minute a guy with the ball in his hands that's how he's at his best yeah uh, Will McDowell White we, we know what he is but we also now know what Parker Jackson Cartwright is yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then so then the question becomes does that franchise feel like they can coexist mm. I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that I don't, I don't think they think that um, it seems like they're just they're, they're both in the same spot fighting for that fighting to be the ball carrier on that team so I don't, I don't know where the fit is with those guys. I, I, and so I don't know if 
they would bring back all of these imports. Right now, you look at the, this roster, it's the best team that never was. Yeah. It's just guys, <laughs> guys just getting injured at the most yeah. inopportune times, no one being on the floor at the same time. Uh, but the McDowell-White one is, is interesting. You, you ostensibly have a really good starting point guard in Parker Jackson Cartwright, who you could build around and make a really good NBL team. But then also the flexibility you get by having a local point guard like William, Mc, William McDowell-White who can start, that, that, that'll give that front office a lot of questions. And we never got to see Parker Jackson Cartwright in the sixth man role that he was probably mm. recruited for because mm. of the injury to William McDowell-White. And again, because of what he's become, we're not going to see that now. So again, you talk about coexisting. Do you want to try to take a pun at it towards the back end of the season and say, do we try and figure this out and let them coexist? Or do you try and win a lot of games and try and make a run for the finals? So again, a lot hinges on with McDowell White, which I'm sure he's not going to enjoy. Yeah, and I'll flag this. I don't think they thought that Parker Jackson Cartwright was going to come in and come off the bench. He is a high, high level player in international basketball. They, they, still, they were hoping and they still have hope that he and McDowell White can coexist and Hopefully everyone stays healthy and the back end of this season we get to see that. What's Modi Mayor doing? Because I would imagine that if he became available, we were just talking about Adelaide. If it's not Trevor Gleeson, Modi Mayor would be a great option. Um, Illawarra may or may not be looking for a coach amongst others. And he'll garner a lot of interest, I'd imagine, in the European market. Will he be there next season? So he is contracted for next season, based on the people I spoke to this week. Um, he is one of those guys who really fits that mould that I was speaking of what Adelaide needs. Uh, someone who has relationships, mm -hmm. someone who has developed those over the course of a few years, guys want to play for him. We've seen that with Will McDowell-White re-signing there. We saw that with Finn Delaney returning to the Breakers. So that is someone that these teams with head coach vacancies should be looking at, but he is contracted. So obviously that is a giant obstacle in the way. <laughs> no, no doubt. And again, again, that enticement fact of having a coach that people want to play for uh, would be huge. And again, if you're New Zealand, you're thinking, well, he's managed to attract this talent here. Uh, we don't want to lose that. And again, but it's the same with Parker Jackson Carr, right, isn't it? Yeah. If you don't bring him back, all of a sudden, the other, every other team is going to pick up the phone and say, well, we want his services as well. And do you want to lose him to a rival club? Probably not, but uh, I'd envision they definitely want to bring back at least a couple of guys. They want some sort of rollover for next year. Uh, the Illawarra Hawks are going to have a lot of decisions to make. A lot of that will probably hinge around who's coaching this team next season. And at time of recording, that has not been decided or announced. Uh, the, the name that jumps out when you look at their contract situation is Tyler Harvey. Three-year deal on what we imagine would be a very good deal. Um, his first half of the season was quite slow by his standards. Things certainly improved under Justin Tatum. He's now out of contract. There's a pretty big decision there to make, isn't there, around whether Tyler Harvey is the face of this franchise going forward. And I think I mentioned this on Overtime a couple of weeks ago with you, when you look at that. And again, as an import, where would he fit? What kind of money would he, would he go on? What pieces do you want to put around? But he's been in Australia a while now, and we've all spoke to, I've spoken to him a little bit about how much he loves Australia and citizenship being on the table significantly changes this entire thing with Tyler Harvey, right? Yeah. You've got a guy who loves it here who wants to become an Australian. All of a sudden, that makes the next deal a very, not, not tricky, but it makes it a very interesting thing, dilemma for both him, his representation, and the Hawks. It is way more attractive. Mm -hmm. You have Tyler Harvey, who I'm told is eligible to get his citizenship in January of 2025. Now, we've seen with Bryce Cotton, eligible doesn't mean you're going to get it. But I imagine they will have learned from others' mistakes and try to get that done relatively quickly. <laughs> Handle it yourself would be the first bit of advice. Yeah, and so yeah. you get so Tyler Harvey. If you re-sign him this off-season to a multi-year deal, that is a multi-year deal that is a local player, probably from mm. the midway point of it onwards, from the beginning, from the middle of next season onwards, basically. 
that makes him way more attractive as a potential signing. Not just for the Hawks, though, right? For for everybody, because yeah. everybody will understand, yes. and that's not a that's not a hidden secret that the Hawks and Tyler Harvey are trying to do it on, on the low. That everybody understands that that's what they're looking towards. And uh, you're right; they would have learned and understand what they have to do to get that kind of not fast track, but just to happen on time, the right way. And again, that becomes very attractive. And it's it's the reason why the Perth Wildcats are so desperate for Bryce to get it, even though I, I don't, I'm not sure he will. But they're so desperate for it because not only is this someone who's not going to take up an import spot, but then you can potentially get him on a marketable number. Mm-hmm. So you can sign him for slide overs, marquee that number, so that number only hits the cap at a certain amount and makes him way more attractive. The, the there, there are two other imports, and we're saying this because they have Sam Froling locked away. So that's one thing they don't have to worry about is a quality Australian big. Justin Robinson, firstly, are they going elsewhere next season or do you almost need to have another look at him? I... I it's hard for me. I was so high on Justin Robinson. I still am. Again, he, he's still young. He's mid-20s and uh, what he wants to do in his career. And I thought he was going to come in and have an unbelievable impact. We mentioned Will McDowell-White and um, Parker jackson Carwright Colding DC, And I think they've kind of figured out, we didn't see it last year because of the injury, that Robertson and Harvey don't really coexist yeah. because of the way they both need the ball in their hands. When he's been good, he's looked really good. And I envisioned that... If he does love Australia and the NBL, I think that another team should definitely be picking up the phone to inquire about his service. So I can't see them going forward together and, and trying to win a title because they've had a lot, a lot of time. It's not like one's been injured like Will McDowell-White has in New Zealand. They've had a lot of time to try and get it done together. I know the Hawks have turned things around under Justin Tatum, but Justin Robinson is, in, in my mind, and what we have seen, he should be a 30-plus minute guy with a lot of production. Shouldn't just be like your fifth starter and just rolling around. And I think it's probably the opposite with Gary Clark. I think from my feel is that this team has seen enough of Gary Clark that they will try and bring him back. Well, if they haven't, someone else will. Exactly. A lot of teams wanted him prior to the Hawks signing him, right? That was a really impressive signing from them. So he is someone who is an obvious NBL star that other teams will look at, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Hawks want to bring him back. I'm also told the Hawks want to try, do what they did last offseason, which is bring in a marquee type player. They didn't do that last offseason. They were in the Luke Travis sweepstakes. That was shut down quickly. Keanu Pinder. They inquired about Duop Reith. They want to get a marquee player. They think that sort of guy next to a Sam Froling can bolster what they do. And then that maybe gives them some flexibility import-wise too. But that's that's something that they're, that they're looking at pretty, pretty seriously. To the Perth Wildcats, two teams to go. And now look at all 10 teams and what it is going to be like for next season. Uh, Bryce Cotton obviously taken care of. Keanu Pinder taken care of. That That is extremely helpful. The Webster brothers, Corey and Ty, have both got options for next season. The question is, do we see both one or none playing for Perth next season? So they're both team options. I haven't heard anything outside of the fact that Perth will pick it up. So if they do bring those two back, which I think is the, the likelihood, granted things can change, but that's the likelihood right now based on what I'm hearing, then they're done. Outside of imports, their local situation is complete mm. because you'll have Jesse Wagstaff come off contract, you'll have Carl Zunick come off contract, Michael Harris goes into a roster spot, uh, Dante Russell-Nance goes into a roster spot. So they have all of their locals and Bryce Cotton short away. And so then basically Danny Mills gets to put his feet up until summer league, practically, until he has to go look for two imports and maybe an extra. And they're going to be, the import ones are going to be the key, right? Because right now they've got Christian Doolittle rolling around, who has been phenomenal. Since this whole change, since the starting lineup change, the, the positional change, he's, been, he's averaging 8-6, and six, but defensively, I've got him right up there. I mean, yeah, he's better than 8-6. and six. It is. His yeah. impact is, he's 10th in the league in, in average plus minus, which might not sound good, 
But the way this team started and how poorly they were, it's unbelievable for a guy to be up there like this. And his impact, again, these guys are hard to find. It's not as attractive as an import averaging eight and six, but when you watch what he does in that position now, uh, he'd be really attractive piece to kind of bring back. And um, I think that's a conversation. But again, that's a conversation probably had based on the other import, right? The other piece to compliment Bryce and Keanu Pinder in terms of scoring, in terms of offensive punch, he's not that. So what other piece can we get? And if you kind of get a guy on the fringe of that, maybe then Christian Doolittle won't be your guy. Jordan Usher came in with a bang in round one against South East Melbourne, absolutely unloaded. Uh, now he's coming off the bench and he's playing a really good role with the second team and giving some punch that John really is looking for. But is that, if you're Perth, is that what you want out of one of your import spots? If I was running Perth, you want more out of that spot. Yeah. Uh, granted, with the money that they're spending, not just on Bryce Cotton, but also on Keanu Pinder, on Ty Webster, you're, you're somewhat limited in who you can bring in in those spots. Uh, it is way too early for this team to seriously look at who they may bring in. They're, they're going to try and run it out with this team, and they're looking pretty decent right now. Mm. Um, so it's a bit early, but if, if it were me, you want someone who's a bit more consistent offensively and way more consistent defensively and it's going to be again harder to find in a certain price range as well that's the one thing they've got to think of so uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the conversations are starting to uh, take place with a guy like Christian Doolittle they're in pretty good shape though Perth aren't they when you when you look at some of the other teams and the amount of work that they're going to have to do in in the offseason Perth look is in good shape I mean you've got Keanu hasn't been the Cairns Keanu we've seen but we know what he's capable of and he's continuing now to get towards the trajectories they get more comfortable in the system but they have Bryce Cotton and again, we, you have to take the citizenship conversation off the table, really. You, you really do for the way that it, it looks going forward. But there's only three teams currently that can kind of have, or well, four, you throw in Tasmania with a guy like Milne Doyle and even Jordan Crawford. But Jalen Adams in Sydney, they locked that away. But then Golding uh, in Melbourne United, and then uh, Bryce Colton for Perth. You're in a perfect spot to say, we have guys who can win games for us. We have the guy who can win games for us. What complements him? And that conversation, when it comes to even now or in the offseason, happens with that guy. You yeah. talk to that guy and say, Bryce Cotton, how does this play look alongside you? What do you want to do with that? Those conversations happen with Jalen Ames, with Chris Golding, no doubt about it. And that's the beauty of having a guy like Bryce Cotton. One little one on Perth before we finish on them. They had a really big crack at Will McDowell-White and got very close. Will, Will told you that on the mm. huddle earlier this season. Do they go again if he's available? If they do, I don't see a world where William McDowell-White goes to a team that retains Ty Webster purely because of the opportunity mm-hmm. that exists there. I think if you're a team going after William McDowell-White, I don't think you have to promise minutes or promise the fact that you are the guy, the ball is in your hands, but you, you've you got to make that a significant part of your pitch. And I'm not sure the Wildcats can do that if Ty Webster is still there. It's it's almost like there's there's no competition, right? That That's the thing, not a pitch, but like your backup guard isn't a starter level guard, which is what Ty Webster is. Well, we're talking about Will McDowell-White wanting to get in the Boomers team. So he he's... He wants those minutes, right? And he wants that opportunity. And, and again, that's again the money is one thing, but that's going to be after this year with injuries aside, but that's going to be one of the more enticing things for him to think about. Let's finish off with the Cairns type ends. Bull Qual bet on himself. He mm. signed a one-year deal at really, really good freight to become the, the main guy at the Cairns type ends, but it is only a one-year deal. What happens next? Well, here's where we get into a bit of a punch. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think you're right. He bet on himself. And again, he wanted to unlock this next level on, on the offensive end. And I think he's done that. 
I think he has done that. He came in, he was a diamond in the rough. Adam Ford found him in the Knox Raiders. No one really knew who he was. He was great in the NBL 1 South at, at the time, but came in defensively. Everyone was like, wow, this is, he's really strong and really got his moments through some injuries and really stepped up. And then the following year, everyone was like, wow, this guy's a really good 3 and D player. And he turned down more money from other teams to go back on the one-year deal to Cairns because he wanted to unlock what this next evolution of it is. I think we've seen that. And I think that it'll become really enticing because we said, he's not going to be a 15 to 20 point scorer. No, he's not going to be in that upper echelon offensively, but teams need defensive tone setters. Mm. Good teams have that. And a couple of teams you think about right now, who could use that? And you can name four or five teams that you put him in that singlet and all of a sudden they're contenders. So last season, there was a group of teams, basically every team, but there was, there was some specific ones that went after Bullcoil. And I'm talking about Sydney Kings, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, Illawarra Hawks, all these teams went really hard at Bullcoil. Uh, the, the main question is, what is different from last season to this season? Has, has his num- do you feel like his number has genuinely increased or is he or are these teams looking at him as the exact same thing because based on the people i speak to it feels like the market treats is treating him the same as last season he's he's not he's not i don't think he's your import level marquee guy when when i say number increased and he turned down more money correct to go to go back to Cairns. it took a lot of money no no there was a lot of money in Cairns. but there wasn't bigger offer i believe out there uh not that much well whatever that other offer is i think that's going to be around the same i don't think he's, he's contracts i think that whatever if that was a little bit more i was on the assumptions a little bit more because again I, i've seen a guy that if one of your stars offensive weapons is injured and you need someone to just up the ante for a few games in a row i think he's shown that he can do that now Granted, he loves to play against the Bullets. So if he's playing against Brisbane every time, he's going to put up some big well, numbers. Four games, but yeah. I, I think you're seeing a guy that, okay, we've got a, a guy who can set the tone defensively. And you mentioned South East Melbourne Phoenix. You look in the past three years, how good would he have looked for them? Mm. Someone just to go out there and be elite defensively, he's going to spot up and shoot the three. He can get you 10 points a night offensively. If someone goes out, for whatever reason, we need 15 points in you tonight, be a bit more aggressive in the attack mode. And he still does what he does on the defensive end. This is a different conversation, though. If you're the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, would you recruit this guy to come in and be your star? Or is he coming in to be your very best role player? Well, that's... And again, again, we highlighted in the Phoenix chat, if you've got a guy like Mitch McCarron as your point guard, you're probably not going to go and get a bull qual, right? No. So if you, if you get a bull qual, then you need an, a real elite import level point guard and, and a shooting three as well. So those kind of conversations you have, you, you put in the basket, what becomes more attractive. The other side of this though is, is Cairns will be probably talking about all of this themselves, won't they? In terms of that they, that the money was there. We, we've highlighted that. Whether they want to go again at that particular price for Bull Qual, or do they look in a different direction? Like there, there's, a, there's a team decision that has to come into this as well, isn't there? Well, there's, I feel like when I look at it, there's no reason why Cairns shouldn't just mm. go after him again. Yep. Because there's, I don't think there's anyone primed to really step into that spot. Uh, it was the, the season prior, it was Keanu Pinder, who reached that MVP level, got that big contract elsewhere. So Bull was sort of the guy who stepped into that, that role as their best local. It was supposed to be Sam Wardenberg stepping into sort of the Bull role this season. And I think it was supposed to be like that. And I don't, I don't know if there's anyone, if, if Bullcoil leaves, is someone going to step into that sort of role? It, it makes sense for them to continue to try to keep him. Um, for him, it's more, is there a big deal yeah. that is for multiple years that he can sign elsewhere? And based on the history of uh, the spending of some of those other teams, you could be in a better position to win. That, that's, that's the argument for Bullcoil. But then it also comes down to, 
what is he for that team? And the personal side of things, I'm sure he's looking at, you mentioned Keanu Pinder going across and getting a well-deserved paycheck and, and everything with Perth, but the grass isn't always greener on the other side, right? Because he has thrived under Adam Ford in, in his first three years. If he goes to another team, if he goes to another situation, is he going to get along with the coach the same? Is he going to play the same level? Would a coach, if he picks up those physical fouls that he does in the first couple of minutes, sit him or tell him we can't afford that mm. or you kind of let him play through it? Not everyone plays the same in a different situation, which is something I think is a big thing to think about with Bullcourt. One of the other big names on the, the Cairns roster situation that we highlighted is Sam Waterberg, the next-gen award winner from last season. Has had a little up-and-down run this year. When Cairns are good, it feels like Sam Wardenberg is, is very good for them. How big of a priority is he going into next season? I think a pretty big mm-hmm. one. I think they were, they were hoping, and he was hoping, that he's, he would have taken a more substantive leap, uh, which I don't think he's done. And so there, there is a sense of unfinished business that Sam Wardenberg can have. But from everything I'm hearing, uh, he is comfortable in Cairns. They really like him. Um, I'm not sure if a deal will get, an extension will get done prior to the end of the season, but it's extremely possible. Mm. Uh, but he's not someone, I, I wouldn't expect him to end up elsewhere. The, the, the other Cairns person I'm going to bring up, and this would be a, a few, uh, someone who was at Cairns a few years ago, who may return to the NBL, is Mojave King. Now, I don't know if that's going to be in Cairns, but we're talking about Cairns, so I, I thought I'd make the connection. Uh, he is currently with the, the Mad Ants, the Indiana Pacers G League affiliate. He will uh, try to make their roster or get a two-way deal with the Pacers next season. They own his draft rights. They picked him in, last year, in this year's draft. Uh, if he doesn't get a two-way deal or doesn't find a way on that roster, then he will explore his options. And there are NBL teams who will offer Mojave King a contract. So he is someone who was part of the, the Next Stars program, one of the OGs, Got dropped, went to the Ignite, got drafted, and could be back in the NBL sooner than later. Good piece, I think, Great again, piece. For, for certain teams. And again, you think about bolstering uh, that local contingent, that would be a good way to go. So uh, I think yeah, Sam Wardenberg, he's one that you talk about unfinished business. There's unfinished business to take that leap with Adam Ford, right? That, that's what Fordy does. And again, it hasn't been there this year, but you, you put your trust in him as a player to, to get that done next year on a more consistent level. As you can see, there is a lot that is about to unfold. And as we've been telling you from the very start here on the Marketplace, a lot of these conversations are very much in play right now. Hulls, thank you very much. Appreciate all of your work. Thank you. Olgan, as always, you're across every single minor detail. Nicely done. Thank you, Jack. Thanks for being with us on the Marketplace. Don't forget, of course, to leave all of your comments on social media. We will be back very, very soon. And, of course, as news happens, the Marketplace and nbl.com.au is where you need to head.